all of us face fear in some way. And it's of different magnitudes and different sizes and shapes and all of that. But we all face fear in pursuit of an unapologetically authentic life. Welcome to the PS Younger Self podcast, where we talk to inspiring entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and creatives on how we can all crush our fears and optimize our lifestyle to live our most fulfilling lives and always on our own terms. But before we get started, I want to tell you guys about Instacart. I mean, with the likelihood of staying at home a bit longer than we all want, and with the looks of how things are unfolding, getting your groceries should be something you don't have to worry about. I mean, I certainly don't want to. And with Instacart, my listeners in the US and Canada can get everything you want, hand-selected by shoppers based on your preferences from your local stores and delivered to your doorstep in as little as an hour. So you have more time for, you know, those things you actually want to do, like content creation maybe, or Zoom parties. But seriously, with Instacart, you get unlimited groceries delivered to you for one low monthly fee, which is way better than those other guys that may be adding on fees every time you use their app. So to get started with your 14-day free trial, just follow the link in the show notes to let Instacart know I sent you and to support the show. On that note, if you haven't already, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you get notified of the latest episode and drop me a review. Let me know what you honestly think. It really means a lot to me and helps me curate the most valuable content and conversations with incredible experts for you. Now let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of PS Younger Self. Today, we are talking to a motivational speaker, TEDx speaker, and a podcaster who shares a very similar mission with PS Younger Self to help us live our most authentic lives by crushing our fears. She is Sarah Hawk, and her podcast is so aptly called Facing Fear with Sarah. And she's here today to talk with us about how we can tactically not only face our fears, but how we can overcome them so we can live our most authentic lives and remember and always on our own terms. Because let's be honest, unfortunately, right now we are living through another pandemic. It's the pandemic of fear, which is also very real, but also debilitating. So I want to get into this with Sarah. Welcome, Sarah. Thanks for joining me today to talk about this very important topic of ours that is also something very passionate of yours. Yes, thank you so much, Chris. And I'm so excited to be here with you and your audience and share because we do have very similar missions. So I'm excited to keep pushing that forward. Yes, yes, definitely. So let's first start with the why. Why are you so passionate about the message of facing fear? Definitely. So I graduated college in 2014, and in 2015 is when I did my first TEDx. And I loved the experience. I loved all the lights and the audience and the production. It was amazing. And so I did my topic back then over following your passion over a paycheck. Um, long story short, when I was graduating, I had the opportunity to choose a full-time job or I could take an internship that had no job guaranteed at the end of it. And so I came down to this difficult decision and based it off of my little mantra, which was passion over paycheck. And so after that, I created a website, a blog series, and I really just pushed this mission out into the world. And that was my quote unquote brand. And I really enjoyed it. And I think it's a great mission. I think it's something that a lot of us should really consider, especially when you're young and you have those options. 
But as I continued to speak and I spoke to different audiences and just became aware that the message was not as applicable to everyone as I thought. And so I've had some other life lessons that I would weave into my speaking. And I realized that there was one common thread through all of them. And through a lot of the things that I've done, whether it was success, failure, fun, adventure, career, personal, spiritual, all of us face fear in some way. And it's of different magnitudes and different sizes and shapes and all that. But we all face fear in pursuit of an unapologetically authentic life. So I think I changed from passion over paycheck to facing fear about two and a half years ago. And I've just been rock solid on this topic, created the podcast. I'm redoing my website right now and I'm, I'm loving it. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right in the fact that this is the common thread that universally like ties all humans together. It's this universal emotion that we all face. And you said there are definitely different types of fears and probably different levels that we exper- experience with. So let's actually get into it and you know, be real and discuss these different fears because for me, and, I, and I'll be interested, of course, to hear from you because you've been talking about it for a bit now, and this is part of your brand or it is your brand. So from my experience, I know that some of the most common fears that people experience are three, the fear of the unknown, the fear of failure and fear of change. So love to hear from your perspective and we can, you know, dive into these three, but of course, please share from your perspective, like what are some of the most common fears that you have seen and how are we, how have you been able to help approach and overcome these common fears? Yeah. So if I think back to some of the fears that I've gotten in responses in my workshops, I have people do a worksheet. And then of course, you know, we share out loud and just some of the feedback that I've heard from the podcast, it would be really hard to pick one common one. But if I had to pick one common fear that I've heard and seen people experience, it's honestly probably the fear of believing you can do it. Um, you know, whether you're trying to get, I think about a podcast episode where I had a gentleman who was speaking about getting out of his hometown and out of his home where his parents were drug dealers. And could he make it? Could he go to college? Could he pay for it? I think about, I did a workshop actually at my work and somebody talked about, um, you know, they're in their mid thirties. They have a great position, great job, but can I own a house? So the common thread that I've probably seen the most is the fear of, can I do it? And it's definitely a fear because then a lot of times fear causes you to stop moving, stop doing, stop wishing, stop planning. And so people just get paralyzed after a little while and then they kind of don't do anything anymore. So I have four tactics to help people. So do you want to go through them one by one or do you want me to just spill them all out at once? Yeah, no, let's go through them one by one because definitely the fear of believing in yourself is absolutely very common. And like you said, it's paralyzing. It it stops us from pursuing all the dreams that we um, have and pursuing our highest potential of really doing everything on this planet that we were made out to be. And so, yeah, let's get into it. What are the step-by-steps that you've helped to um, overcome someone who is facing this fear of, I don't think I can do this. 
Yes. So the first one that I encourage people, if they come to talk to me or we're in the workshop, of course, we go over all four. But the first one is thinking about putting your happiness first. Whether you're a parent, grandparent, partner, single, dog mom, whatever it is, very rarely do we just sit with ourselves and think about what makes us happy. And the great thing about, you know, having all these connections and family and social media is you can ask anyone for an opinion, anyone. But the hard thing about that is it clouds your judgment and it clouds the ability for you to see clearly what makes you happy, like you, the individual as yourself, not you, the daughter, not you, the sister, the brother, the parent, whatever it is, like just you alone, what makes you happy? So I encourage people to put their happiness first and I think when you really sit with yourself and start to understand your wants in life, you then start to gain a little bit of courage to take the plunge regardless of the obstacles, regardless of the opinions, the perceptions, and whatever it may be. So that's my first one. Let's actually pause there for a second. I mean, that's a really good one. And it's something that totally understand. And and it was easy for someone like me who is single. I don't have kids. I didn't. I don't have anyone else to really think about how my actions or my change is going to impact my immediate family. But I would imagine, I would imagine, I know because I have friends and people in my network who go through these thoughts and disempowering thoughts in their head that like, well, I have my children to look after. I have my family, my husband, or whatever it may be. So how is it, like how can someone like that really try to just remove themselves from being a mother, a father, and really focus on what makes them happy? Because I think it's really hard for someone like that to tap into their own happiness. I totally agree. And honestly, it's one of the reasons why I stopped preaching on passion over paycheck, which still finds its way into some of my talks and some of my workshops, depending on the audience. But we all don't have the privilege to choose passion over paycheck sometimes. And so especially me, I'm, you know, I'm still a young adult. I I also don't have any children. I don't have any pets. Um, Fun fact, I'm allergic to cats and dogs. So real downer there. (laughs) Um, And so I don't have the experience to know what it's like to put a life before mine, as in such as in a child or some people, even their animals. And so I don't have that personal experience. And so that's something you bring up a really great point. It's probably something I should really dig into with people who come to the workshop or who I speak to and just really kind of sit with them and be like, what, what is that actually like? Like, I need you to tell me because I'm not a mother. I'm not, you know, responsible for another human being, but I think even, so for example, I spoke at a women's networking group um, about an hour away from where I'm from, and it was women of all ages. And so all different types and all different backgrounds and who and what they're responsible for. And I actually, on my worksheets, um, I collect half of it back. They keep one half, I collect the other half back. And I asked the question of, after today, how will you face fear? And the answer can be as simple as I've seen people write, like, I'm going to meditate once a week. I'm going to do yoga. The studio down the street I've always wanted to go to, I've never had a um, membership, and I'm going to start doing that. So I think putting your happiness first can also start with just a second of self-care. 
Um, you know, I'm going to talk to a therapist finally. I'm going to do this or that. And so I've seen it be anything from, you know what, I'm leaving this job. I am not happy as all the way. And it's not even small. Small is not the right word. It's whatever works for you all the way, you know, down to I'm going to meditate once a week. So you have to make it work for you. It's your life and you are responsible for those other things and you can't change that. And those are beautiful things in your life, hopefully, but you have to make it work for you. Yeah, definitely. I will add there too, though, that I think for someone like that, they, if they think about their identity being more than just this one part of them. Right. For example, again, you and I aren't mothers, but you know, this is actually something that I have said to uh, my dear friends who are mothers, uh, that you're an amazing mother, but please know that your identity is more than just being an amazing mother. You are also the person before you became a mother, this amazing woman with your individual dreams. And whether that's a career woman or whatever it may be, but I think being able to identify and acknowledge and have that self-awareness that your identity is more than just being this one thing. It could be many things that make up who you are. And then when you remove yourself from those and really hone in on, like you said, what makes you happy when you're this part of who you are? That's actually one of my favorite questions that I ask my guests, especially those who hold many titles, is I'll say, you know, without the title of news director, mother, daughter, fiance, sister, like, who are you at the core? And even just challenging people to think about that helps them start to really think about themselves. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So great. So step number one is put your happiness first. Then um, what would you say as your next step? So then my next step is to remember that when one door closes, you knock on the next. So a lot of times you hear the phrase of when one door closes, another opens. I personally believe that doors don't just open for anyone you have to go get up and find the next option if that first door is not opening. And so I learned this through applying for a job after my freshman year in college. And I put all of my eggs into one basket. And I the job had multiple rounds of an interview. So, you know, the further you go, the more excited you get. And I made it to the end. And I was so like gung-ho, I'm getting this. I had no other backup plans. And then I did not get it. And I was devastated and I just really was so frustrated and disappointed. And so I got some advice from my mom who said, you know, why don't you go ask, you know, the directors of the program what you could have done better. And at first I thought, oh, how horrible. Like they already sent me a letter, mom. And it said, at this time, we're moving on with other candidates. You know, we've all heard that before. And I decided to follow through and do it because I had nothing to lose you know, I already did the interviews with these people. I don't have to dress up to go see them. Like I have nothing to lose. Let's just see what they say. So I go in, we do the meeting. I get some much needed constructive criticism and some feedback. And then they tell me that a female leader, I, it was for an orientation position in college. So they try to balance it and all of that. So a female leader had dropped out and they wanted me to replace her. And so when the door of initial employment closed on me, I was still really passionate about wanting to do that maybe the next year or a different position or something else. 
that I knocked on the next door, which was, I'm not done here. Like, can I get some feedback? And so by doing that and creating that next option and next plan for myself, I ended up getting the position. And I know this sounds crazy because it's college orientation, but having that job changed my perspective on what I wanted to do with my life and my major. So I try to encourage people when one door closes, you knock on the next. And ironically, when I got my second TED talk, I actually got it because somebody dropped out and they said, okay, you're still talking to us. You're still emailing us. Like, do you want to do this? So sometimes plan B isn't so bad and you have to be confident enough to just go knock at that next door. Yeah. I like how you said that sometimes plan B is not the not so bad. I think that's what you said, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think I think so many of us get so fixated, especially, you know, high achievers like us who are probably very type A, very organized, like to plan, right? And <laughs> Definitely. It's, right, right, right. I mean, like, <laughs> and if, oh my God, Sarah, and if, if, if something on that plan goes slightly array, we freak out. We're like, oh my God, it's like, what do I do next? Like, what's like, you know, like we start to freak out because we lose control over mm-hmm. knowing what our future is. Yeah. But I found through my personal experience, and I believe this is exactly what you're saying about like the plan B, actually, it's not bad. Not just not bad, it's probably even better than what you thought, is because when we allow ourselves to, we can be super organized and and planned for our future. I mean, we have to in order for us to achieve our dreams right. But allow ourselves to not be so controlling and knowing that when sometimes you take the wrong path in life, it's these magical experiences that happen because it's supposed to be happening that way. Right. Wrong and, in quotes, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 No, totally. And, and, I, and I've been there on a number of occasions where, and in that moment, I felt like this failure, and I think failure goes, like I said earlier, one of, one of the most common fears that I've come across with people is this Uh, fear of failure. And when you experience that, you think that, oh my God, my my path is now over, my dream that I've been set on. But when uh, you realize that happened because not only is it a lesson, what am I going to learn from it? But it was actually not supposed to be the path that you were taking because I truly believe, Sarah, that the universe has our back and the way things unfold for ourselves, obviously with the energy that we put out into the world, it's it's unfolding exactly the way it's supposed to be, whether it's plan B or plan C, D, E, F, G. You never know. <laughs> I 100% agree, especially with the universe has your back. I started journaling almost daily about six, seven months ago. And I journaled a ton as a kid and kind of dropped it off in middle school, high school, college, and a lot of my early career, actually. And I started journaling. And it's funny what you start to believe, like you actually start to see in your life. And my perspective has changed and I've become a more positive person. And like you were saying about the type A organized, planned out person, like that is me to a T. But now it's helped me handle fear and failure a little bit better because I just have started to 
it's not that you're not taking it as seriously, but you become more okay with failure. And you're like, okay, well, like, so for example, I'm actually trying to get some sponsors right now for my podcast. And I heard back initially right away from this one company and they were like, yeah, we're totally interested. And we're trying to set up a meeting and I haven't heard anything and I haven't heard anything and I haven't heard anything. The old me would have sat in that and been like, well, you failed. So that sucks. And I guess you're just not good enough. But now the new me with trying to knock at that next door is like, okay, well, I'm going to move on to the next sponsor I had in mind and see what they think. And so focusing on what that next door is and that plan B, C, D, E, give them a chance. Like you were saying, they're not so bad after all. And the universe really does have your back if, like you also said, you put in that energy and you put in that positivity and you try to see the best. Yeah, exactly. I actually want to hone in on something that you said um, earlier, is that, you know, it's kind of funny that our, our thoughts become a reality. Actually, like, it's, it's not funny in a sense, because it's, it's real, it's science, right, Sarah, like, there's actually, like, neuroscience that proves that our thoughts become our reality. I just did a podcast about uh, it was fascinating with a mindset coach who trains um, elite athletes, but we can rewire our brains because our brain doesn't know the difference between what's real and imaginary. So this notion of our thoughts becoming a reality is very real. And so your practice of journaling and just believing in yourself and having these positive thoughts of, okay, that door shut on me, but okay, I'm still going to be able to overcome it. I'm not a failure. And it was also interesting that I learned from this mindset coach, choosing the right words, like don't tell yourself you're not a good person or not a good whatever it may be, because your brain doesn't know the difference between the word like not or not. So I just wanted to really like hone in on that. Is that like, yeah, our thoughts really become our reality. I'm going to treat my brain a little nicer now. I really like that. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, you have to. So happiness, number one. And number two was know when one door closes, go knock on as many as you can that open up to you. So then what would be the next one uh, step that you would say to help overcome our fear? So this one is almost hand in hand with, with the second one, because when you have the courage to go knock on the other doors or you try, you're trying to muster up the courage, you have to feel the fear and do it anyway. So my third one is to feel the fear and do it anyway. There are many scary things that we're trying to tackle. And like you were saying, you can make these things really scary in your mind or maybe bring them down a little bit and realize they're not such a big deal after all. So when you really lean into that feeling, you can almost use that adrenaline and just hope that you make it. And if you fail, at least you tried at least you gave yourself a chance to just feel it and give it a shot. And so like we were saying earlier, sometimes fear and failure can paralyze us and we can put up our put off our hopes and dreams for a long time and that actually happened to me with my podcast. I attempted to start it in the very end of the year in 2018 and I had the fear of being split between the fear of failure and then the fear of oh my gosh, what do I do if this thing actually succeeds? And so 
there were other factors in my life going on at that time too, that didn't allow me to have the time to actually work on it. But I just straight up quit after a while. And I stopped doing it because I was afraid of it. I was afraid of how am I going to put out enough content for once a week? What, what about a newsletter? What about a website? All the, I don't have any of this stuff. So I just became stagnant and did nothing. And so it took me about eight months, um, almost a year actually to officially put it out again. But it really, a lot of it was attributed to just feeling the fear and doing it anyways and figuring it out as you go can actually be really fun. So give yourself a chance to figure it out as you go, feel the fear and just do it. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I actually really want to, um, you to expand on this. I, I love how you say, feel the fear. So I can understand what that means, but let's really get into it. Like, what do you mean? Tell us more about what it means to actually feel it. Are you, are we sitting here and feeling every emotion that goes through our body? And why is it so powerful? Because it does sound powerful for us to feel it. Yeah. So with that example specifically that I can think of of when I felt the fear and did anyways is I think, um, when you are, you know, in the, in the fear, which you can, which you can feel it because you're not going for your goal. You're not living to your potential. And I think when that happens in human beings, we feel it deep down inside. Some of us get sick to our stomach. Some of us just stop what we're doing. Some of us just shove it down even further. So we don't have to feel it, but you definitely get this little pang within you. And so for me, with not trying to start the podcast, um, I shoved it down. I was like, mm, I'm actually not that great of a host. I'm probably not a good interviewer. So this is fine. Like, whatever. The microphone was only 130 bucks, like not that much of a waste of a money. And so I like put the microphone away in the back of my closet. And that was that. But I think when you feel the fear you can do different things with it. And like I said, in my example, I shoved it all the way down, but it would keep coming up. I would listen to other podcasts and be like, mm, I think I could do that better. Or I would do it this way and be like, oh, then you should go do it. And then my mind would be like, well, no, because remember, you're actually going to fail. You're not going to be that great. And so it keeps arising. And eventually I just was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to throw it out into the universe. We'll see what happens. And I kind of conquered the fear after feeling it because it's not a comfortable feeling. Nobody sits in fear their whole life. I don't care what you're afraid of. You don't sit in fear your whole life. Eventually, you have to do something about it. So um, for me, it was just kind of going through different phases and stages of it and eventually deciding to do something about it because you are really never going to be off the hook when you know you're meant to do something. It will always be within you and it'll always push you. So finally tackling it is almost a relief. If you let the fear sit with you long enough, um, once you actually get over it, you're like, oh, okay, I got this. I like how you said it about like how it is always within us to do something about it a hundred percent because I believe fear is a choice. Besides our innate biological fear that is an emotion that we all universally have of the fear of death. Right. Or death, right? And unless you're a monk 
or a stoic who accepts fear and just chooses to still live in the present moment. I think any other fear that we have and all the fears that we just spoke about or talking about right now, you know, fear of failure, fear of change, etc. These are all things that we have a fundamental choice. And like you said, it's it's within us to make a decision on how we're going to deal with these I these make believe thoughts we just perpetually play in our heads like the what ifs or you know some of the examples that you were sharing like you know you know what if i'm not good enough what if i fail etc these are just imaginary thoughts and and as i spoke about when our thoughts become a reality and like you said the word paralyzed it it holds us back. So in that essence, I feel like it's a choice that we have. And the minute that we make a choice, and like you said, when you sit with these feelings and decide what makes you happy, and then you choose, okay, I, I choose my happiness over being paralyzed. Like that's when this big, you know, jump happens and allowing you to get get over it. Yeah. And that's when you make your move or you make your business an LLC or you apply for the job or you update your LinkedIn and put that you're open for opportunities. And so getting to that point is great. And it's just a good release. And you finally let go and see what's out there. Yeah. So that was for feel the fear and do it anyway. Is there another step that that was, uh, that was number three, actually. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry, I'm losing count. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so our number four is do more of what makes you awesome. First of all, I just love the word awesome. I use it too much, probably. <laughs> um, and so I had to work that into my branding somewhere. But do more of what makes you awesome. A lot of the times, especially as we get older, I think we really try hard to fix all of our weaknesses or to work on them or to get advice around them. And that's great. You should totally do that, especially if it's a glaring weakness that's frustrating you or holding you back. Like, go get mentorship, go get some education around it. But we also tend to forget what makes us so great as individuals. And so I encourage people to really lean into what makes you amazing and unique and quit tearing yourself down for what you could have done better. Forget the coulds, forget the shoulds and start thinking about what makes you awesome. You know, we're all unique individuals and we deserve to show that off to the world. And if you can do that in a positive manner and really change people's lives for the better, um, that's, that's really when you should consider just doing more of what makes you awesome. Mm-hmm. Like what, what if someone, uh, you know, is, is struggling to, I, I totally agree with you. Everyone uh, is a beautiful human being that has their own unique talent, but there's a challenge and, and some of us are, are able to tap into their unique gifts earlier than others. And I think when you are able to do that, like when, that's when you get to truly live our, our most authentic and our fulfilling life. So have you, you know, worked with and come across like, you know, someone who is is struggling to kind of tap into like what what makes me awesome? Like Sarah, how about if someone said like I don't I don't know. I truly don't know. What could they be doing or saying to kind of help 
tap into and making them feel and know that they are awesome? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's actually something I'm working on right now. I'm mentoring someone at work and the main goal between her and her supervisor um, who kind of came to me and asked if I would be her mentor was to change her verbiage and the way that she expresses herself because she's really great at her job. But in an interview setting, she has a hard time expressing what skills of hers are amazing and badass and superior to others and why she should get the job. And so we're working on trying to change some of her language. And yeah, you're right. That is hard. You know, I think you and I are both outgoing because we host the podcast and we like to talk and all of that. But for other people, it is really hard for them to think about what makes them awesome. And then to say that to someone else is a whole other thing. So um, I draw back to my example with her. So one thing I challenged her to do is to ask a close friend, a family member, a roommate, somebody who knows you well. And I told her to pick three different people and to ask them, what do I bring to the table in your eyes? It can be, it doesn't have to be professional. It can be personal, professional, whatever it is. Like, what do I bring to the table in your relationship? And so Um, I think she said she's going to reach out to her mom. She's got a roommate and then to a college friend of hers. And so I'm excited to see what the answers are because sometimes you don't see yourself as awesome, amazing, or unique, but other people do. And I bet if you ask them if they love you, they would give you a pretty great response. So that's the first thing we're doing with, um, to help change her language and to help her see herself and why she is so great. And then the second thing I'm challenging her to do is to write it down, because when you write it down, you have to let it come through your brain, through your arm, through the pen, onto the paper, and you have to read it back to yourself. So um, she's going to write down the answers that she gets back and save them you know, in a journal that she refers to, not a day by day where it'll pass by and she'll never see it again. Um, I want her to put it somewhere where she'll see it pretty permanently And then the other thing that we're doing because I'm mentoring her professionally is we're updating her LinkedIn. Um, She's got some old verbiage on there that could be way better. And so it's just revisiting your old self and seeing what have I improved on? What have I gotten better on? So to wrap that up, um, it's asking other people around you who love you, what what do you think I bring to the table? And having them tell you, then you need to write it down and remember it and read it back to yourself. And then depending on what project you're working on or if it's for work or whatnot, you know, update the LinkedIn or maybe change up your website and start putting these amazing attributes that you have into the world permanently because they're there. You might just need a little help bringing them out. I like that. Yeah. And it's as simple as that. And it might feel a little bit awkward asking people like, can you tell me? Right. You know, <laughs> read about me. You know, I'm not trying to be narcissistic, but it that process can really help I think, remind ourselves like what makes us great. Because I think when we are just always in this kind of reactionary uh, mindset and fixating again on these thoughts of what we're not good at, we totally lose out and don't remember all these amazing qualities that just need a gentle reminder from the people that know us the best. So that's such a simple but really great tactic on how we can remind ourselves why and how we are awesome. It's great. And it works the other way too, actually, you know, doing more of what makes you awesome is great. But then, like I said, there's the other side that's working on your weaknesses. Um, A few years ago, I was trying to 
work on becoming less of a controller in my friendships. And I'm in a group message with seven other girls and we're very, very close. And so I asked in the group message, like, Hey, will you guys all text me separately? And I want you to hold me accountable for this goal of not being so controlling. Like even when we're together as friends, I tend to really love hard. And sometimes that pushes people away because I want to tell them how to live their life because duh, I obviously know best when no, no, I don't. (laughs) And so I told them like, text me separately and let me know where you think I'm at. And I'm going to take that into consideration and hopefully use your words to continue moving forward. And, um, it's like you said, it, it, it can be a little bit awkward, but these people love you and they want to help you. And it's a sign of respect to reach out and say, I want to know your opinion about me because I want to be better. Mm, sign of respect. Yeah, it was well said. I, I also liked what you brought up here, uh, the accountability that you have with your group of friends. I think especially when we are you know, going through that massive process of change. And it can be as massive as like something that I did. I, I moved to a different continent. I mean, that's, that was huge. It was life-changing, but it, it, it could be as, you know, as simple, but still very monumental to your personal experience as like just starting a new IG live, you know, because you're, you've always had this fear of sp- public speaking or something. But when you have, like you said, these accountability groups, I think that, you know, it's such a great way of creating a support network and really being able to kind of help you keep on track. Because again, if we're doing it on our own, we can do it on our own. But I think like we get stuck in our self-critical mind that again can be so paralyzing. But when we have these accountability partners or a group, it's a really great support network that can just, you know, check in with us and not necessarily tell us what to do, but, you know, keeps us on track of, oh, this is where um, reminding ourselves again, like this is what your goal was and just being here to give you that gentle reminder that you can do it you still have X, Y, and Z to go. So I like the fact that you have these accountability partners. Yeah, definitely. And it's that soft reminder of, hey, you're doing it again, you know, and that allows your friend or family member not to feel like they're attacking you, but they're holding you accountable for your goal because they truly do want you to be better. I promise you. Yeah. So, so I just want to wrap it up because, um, these are great and I just want it to be very tactical and tangible because, um, I think it can really be applicable to whatever fears that people may be facing right now. So number one said to put your happiness first, really understand what makes you truly happy and remove yourself from your current identity of thinking that you're only this person, but knowing deep down inside that your identity is made up of so many different things and really tap into that happiness. And then number two, you said when one door closes, just keep going forward and only forward and not backwards and knock on as many doors as you can till one opens up. And then number three was feel the fear and just lean into it and feel every emotion um, that your body and mind goes through and just push forward. And then lastly, you said, do what makes you feel awesome. And if you don't know what makes you feel awesome, 
reach out to your network of people who know you best, who love you the best, and will give you that gentle remind you that you're fucking awesome. (laughs) You nailed it. Awesome. Well, these were your great tips. And so I want to ask you what, you know, two last quick things is because you have been now you know, interviewing some uh, great people in your network and um, who have these amazing inspirational stories of their own uh, ways of overcoming their fear. Is there one that just comes to mind right this minute that was just really inspirational that perhaps sharing a bit of that story can not only resonate with some of our listeners, but help to give another boost of motivation to help face our fears? Oh, yeah. Let me think on that for a second. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to reference on my podcast, which is called Facing Fear, Season 2, Episode 12. And the episode was called Hindsight is 2020 with music artist and producer T. Clef. So T-Clef is actually somebody that I met at work. So I work in a rather large corporate office. And literally one day, I was walking down the hall by myself. He was walking down by the hall, down the hall by himself. And he just stopped me and goes, hey, do you like ever go out and listen to music? And I was like, um, who is this guy? Like, yeah, okay. And he hands me a flyer and he goes, well, I'm an artist. So you should come out and see me. And I was like, all right. And our office is big enough where like, I truly don't know everyone. And so I didn't know this guy. And um, so I look him up, I listen to him on Spotify. And I'm like, Oh, my goodness, like he really has something here. And little did I know, he that was the start of our friendship, which has been very, very impactful to my podcast and me starting my own entrepreneurship adventure. So his name is T. Clef. And he's definitely gone through some things in his life. Um, He Grew up in Nigeria and then moved to the United States and found some roots in Indianapolis. Um, He got married young and then had a child and then unfortunately divorced. And so recently he put out his first like full debut album. He's put out a ton of singles before, but this was his first debut album. And he called it Room 2027 because he put it out when he was 27. And then the 20 in the album also signifies hindsight is 2020. So the album is really amazing. And he goes through and kind of talks about the five stages of grief through his songs, because his divorce was really hard on him and his family. And, you know, he's in his mid 20s for crying out loud. That's a lot to deal with. But um he comes to mind as somebody who's really awesome and inspirational because he is actually in the process of leaving his full-time job so he can pursue his calling, and that is to be an artist full-time. And so I was just talking to him earlier on, and he was saying that he's really excited, but he's also terrified, but he's over the cliff. Like He is not leaving himself any kind of rope, no kind of leniency. Like He is going for it. And so he, his life story is not only really inspirational, but his entrepreneurship journey is really inspirational as well. Yeah. And it sounds like his drive and perseverance is definitely inspirational as well. 
So our last question, Sarah, it's something that I love to ask all of my guests, and it's the foundation of PS Younger Self. So, uh, and maybe we can tie it into our topic of fear here today, but if you can go back to your younger self and give her one piece of advice so that she is reminded to always live fully in the present moment and always on her own terms, what would be that one thing you would love to tell her? I think it would be to put my happiness first. And I bring that up from when I was younger because I started my athletic career as a gymnast. And I did it all the way until fifth grade. And I remember trying to like stand like the other girls or holding my arms like they would or like posing the way that they would. And I totally started to feel myself lose who I actually was because I had no idea. And then I got into middle school and I was definitely more of a follower than I was a leader. And um, ironically, I'm also the oldest of four. And so I at home was the one who set all the examples. So I never went out of the lines or did anything that was too crazy or too wild. And so I would probably go back and tell myself to put my happiness first, which I honestly think the first time I truly like put my wishes number one in the first position was when I left college and I chose to follow my passion over a paycheck because um, you know, my, my parents and my grandparents love all of them very much. We're like, absolutely do not choose the internship. Like take the full-time job. What are you thinking? And I let that sit with me for a while. But then luckily I had peers and I had faculty mentors and professors who were like, girl, go do what you want to do. This is your life. And this is the first time that you get to actually make this huge decision. So go do what you want to do. And so I wish I, when I was younger, put my happiness first a little bit more, had a little bit more fun, wish I was a little bit more wild as a kid. But as I've grown into an adult, I really understood what it means to put yourself first because you are responsible for you at the end of the day. And that's all it comes down to. Absolutely. We are responsible for our own life. So if our listeners, so that they can listen to all these other inspirational stories on your podcast and learn more about what you are doing in terms of helping people overcome their fears, where can they find you? Yes. So my podcast is called Facing Fear. It has a big pink logo. You can find it on your favorite player wherever you listen. I release episodes on a weekly basis. And then you can find me on social media at Facing Fear with Sarah on Instagram and Facebook. And then on Twitter, which I'm just starting to use again. I kind of abandoned Twitter for a long time. <laughs> it's Facing Fear W, Sarah. Um, so it's a little bit shorter. And then finally, my website, facingfearwithsarah.com. So pretty much everywhere you go, Facing Fear with Sarah is the easiest way to find me. Amazing. Well, that's super easy to remember. And thank you for all the work that you're doing and your passion to help people face their fears and to live unapologetically fulfilling lives because you know that's something that I wholeheartedly believe in as well. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you everyone for listening. And I'm really proud to be a part of this show. So keep listening because I totally agree with 
your mission and your message. And I'm just really excited to help you continue push that forward. So thank you for having me. You're so welcome. Thank you, Sarah. And thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of PS Younger Self. It really means a lot to me that you're spending your time with me. So if you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or just about anywhere you listen to your podcast. Leave me a review. Tell me what you think. It really helps me get more valuable content to you guys. So until next time, take care and remember to always live your life on your own terms.